You're listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week we are getting back to scratching the itch of talking to drummers. <laughs> <laughs> In season season one, our first two uh, interviews that we did were with drummers. And we started off this season a couple episodes back speaking to a singer. And that was great, but we just we needed to get back to, to what got us here. And so, actually, you know what? <laughs> This this band from Ashes to New, they tried to offer us a singer to talk to, and we said, no, you give us the drummer. You give it to us right now. And <laughs> that's not how that story played out. You guys can tell what actually happened there. Yeah, we definitely want to send a quick I'm sorry to Danny Case from Ashes to New. Uh, time zones got crossed up with the email chain of command, and uh, we apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We were we were looking forward to talking to Danny. We had our interview already prepped and all the questions already. But on the plus side of that, Maddie was very flexible and basically within a week's notice was able to be available for this interview, and it was just incredible. It, it was win win. You know, we did we we missed out on our initial opportunity, but we we're presented with another opportunity that turned out just as well, which actually is kind of the story of. Maddie Madero's career <laughs> you know like yeah that's pretty accurate I just put that together right now as you'll listen in this conversation you know, he things will happen and um it's just one of those when one door closes another one opens kind of things for him and it's really cool one of the things that I loved learning about him when I was doing the research for this interview is that he's taken advantage of every single opportunity he's been given and making the most out of every single one of it he's worked hard for what he's earned but, uh, he, you know, he's kind of because of that, he's he's been kind of thrust into the limelight overnight and, and he kind of talks about that. And so it, it was just really awesome to understand his story a lot more and see exactly why this situation with From Ashes to New works out so well. Yeah. A tiny bit of background on this band From Ashes to New. They're a fairly young band. They've been around for, I don't know, half a dozen years. They've got three albums. Uh, the first one was largely largely a solo creation of their lead singer, Matt Brandyberry. And um, after that, they had some lineup changes. They sort of formed into what you, you would call a, like a, you know, a full band where everybody was contributing and, and operating together. And uh, they've really kind of taken, been taken off since then. And uh, so much so that what they showed up on last year's top 20 that we created. And so that makes them our second top 20 uh, band interview uh, <laughs> since we released those episodes, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Exactly. So they seem to definitely be a band on the rise. Yeah, the chemistry just seems to be there. And and one of the things that I thought was so cool that I didn't know before was just how well that for one that they all get along together. But he seems to just get along with everybody he's been with, you know, even because he does clarify how things ended with Trivium. But it still seems like he's got a lot of love for those guys. And, and, and we at The Itch, we absolutely love when situations like that work out for both bands, because then you get great music from multiple, multiple sources instead of just one source. And so we, we, we were, I, I was excited to learn about that. Um, and just, he just seems to be a really down to earth guy um, and, and great to be along or to play along with. And I think that because of that, they seem like they're having great success and good chemistry and, and making great music. There's no doubt. 
so yeah, we had a great conversation with Matt uh, discussing sort of how he ended up where he's at with From Ashes to New. Um, we got to hear a lot about uh, both artists that influence him. And uh, we, we love talking to musicians about their favorite musicians. And so there's a there's there's a quality bit about that in here. And, and we enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy the interview because his passion for music definitely shows through throughout the entire interview. Yes. So without further ado, this is Matty Madero of From Ashes to New. Well, thanks, Matt. We really appreciate you taking time to join us. Absolutely. The show is called The Itch, and that has been the name of a, a rock radio show that we started 17 years ago in our in our college. Oh, wow. We started it there while we were students. We actually ended up staying living in that area and continued the show even after we were students for until last year when the pandemic shut the campus down for a while and we decided to convert over into a podcast form we're like well we can't play the music we want to but we can talk about it we can talk to people who make it there's you know it's a an alternate version of what we're doing yeah so the itch kind of came to mean we had this desire to share rock music to share good music that you weren't really hearing on most mainstream radio stations because we kind of yeah that's that setup they just you know they're playing the same 10 artists the same whatever number of songs every hour it's just not it's hard to break in we're like we can do our part to help break people in a little bit that's awesome. so that's just kind of who we are um my name is aaron and you guys can introduce your own selves <laughs> i'm dan i'm casey so now that you know a little bit more about us i wanted to know a little bit more about you and I, I did a little research. I have to apologize because I know that Wikipedia is not really like the end all be all for, for information. <laughs> so I apologize yeah. if it's, if it's uh, kind of off base, but looking at, at your background kind of looks like you're, you're living like almost a rock star dream in the sense that you were given a chance and you took full advantage of that chance and kind of got thrust into the limelight seemingly overnight. Um, would, is that kind of an accurate description of what you would say is going on? Yeah, that's a, 110% accurate. <laughs> I was a drum tech. You know, long story short was back in the day, obviously, everybody's trying to put bands and stuff together as you're growing up as a kid, right? So I'm trying to do that in my area. And I live in a really sort of small sort of mindset area in Pennsylvania. And uh, nobody was really taking anything serious. And nobody was perfecting their craft. So a buddy of mine says, hey, man, you've come out to a bunch of our shows. Why don't you start drum teching for bands. Why don't you get into the industry, meet like-minded people and go, you know, that way you're on tour and, and go from there. And at first I was like, nah, I want to be a drummer. Then I was like, you know what? Makes sense. I can make some money off this. I get in the industry. So I started doing it for a couple of years and I linked up with the Trivium guys. I was with them for two years. They fired their previous drummer, the guy I was working for um, in Pittsburgh. And the next night it was on a day off. And the next night I was playing in Niagara Falls with uh, Volby. It was us and Volby. And I had to learn nine songs in 24 hours. So. <laughs> so it is true. Yeah, I got thrown right into that. And then I was with them for almost two years and then uh, did the Silence in the Snow album with them as well. Mm -hmm. And then from there is when I filled in with From Ash to Snow. And um, 2016, I think it was, yeah, it was about this time, 2016, I filled in. And then I was like, hey, guys, if anything changes, hit me up. I was <laughs> like, I like the sound. I like the idea of everything. I was like, let me know. Nice. So everything's just kind of been like thrown at me. And I just, <laughs> like you said, I just try to take full advantage of whatever situation is offered to me. 
Yeah. And that's definitely the case. I mean, like you said, learning a whole set list in, in 24 hours, did you already kind of know the set list ahead of time or was that just pure talent? <laughs> Since I had been with them for two years prior, off and on, I, I had worked for Asley Dying in between uh, when those guys were doing an album. I believe it was the Vengeance Falls album I went and was with Asley Dying. So I was familiar with the singles if you would say. So more of the radio singles. And since it was a Volbeat tour and, and Trivium is the style band that they are, they played the more radio friendly style songs. Yeah. So not to say that it's really that much easier because it is Trivium's material and, and they're hell of musicians and they put on, you know, big four minute plus songs and parts are changing. They don't stick to a typical formula. You really have to know your shit to be back there behind the kit with those guys. I had the practice of hearing the song while watching the set and understanding them but it's a totally different beast when you're put behind the kit and you're kind of in charge because those guys don't play to tracks they don't play to a click they don't do mm. any of that it is completely 100 raw i'm starting the tempos <laughs> i'm keeping the tempo i'm controlling the pace of everybody it is a totally different beast when you're like you could sit there and as i'm tapping you know when somebody else is playing i could flub apart and be like oh yeah i would have crushed that and you know you you think that you would have but it's different when your kit's mic'd up and 3,000 people are staring right. at you and you're like, oh, I'm in charge now. Like, no pressure at all. Different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember staring at the back of Matt's jacket the entire time. You know, like, just make it through this song. And like, I was like, take one song at a time. Just make it through this one. Make it through the next one. It was a lot of pressure, but it was fun as hell. That's, that would be wild to just go. I mean, I presume that was like your biggest show that you had ever, uh, you had ever done live at that, to that point as the actual drummer. At that point, yeah. And then about eight shows later, we were in Europe because what happened was the rest of that tour got canceled. Um, Matt's voice had um, taken a hard hit, mm -hmm. I believe, from the argument before that happened with him and the drummer that led to the firing <laughs> and, and all the screaming and everything else that happened after that. He took a hard hit and we were getting ready to go do European festivals, Rock and Ring, Rock and Park all the big ones. So they were like, you know what? We've done a month now on a big tour in the States. These are just odd and end shows. We're going to cancel these ones. We're going to go home and rest up. So eight shows later, I'm playing main stage Rock and Ring 2014, Metallica wow. headlining in front of 60,000 oh, wow. people. As I'm still drum teching myself, I'm also performing <laughs> right. for all these people. It was a hell of a time. Wow. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. You said you kind of took the job as in doing tech work because you're like, yeah, this is how I can get in the industry and make a little money and whatnot. Were you still working with other bands like on the side trying to trying to kind of progress those bands while you were doing that? Or was that pretty much full time? Uh, it, it became full time. I was talking to other bands. Um, actually, ironically enough, another band from this area that used to be called This Through the Apocalypse. Uh, Ricky is now in a band called Hawk. It's changed a couple times. He's okay. also the guitar player at Ice Nine Kills, Ricky Armelino. Okay. And um, talked to them. And then Grant was the drummer, Grant McFarland, who produced Day One and the Future Record. He was the drummer of This or the Apocalypse. Uh -huh. So I've I've been connected with all these people from around like the Lancaster, yeah. Pennsylvania scene with the August Burns Red guys and all those, you know, Texas in July and a lot of bands like that. So it's like, I was talking to them and I was thinking about, okay, well, I'm drum teching and you guys don't tour that extensively all the time. So I was like, I could come back and we can book some tours or some shows or whatever and make it happen. At the time, they were looking for somebody more full time. So I was like, I'm in a pretty decent spot. 
I'm touring some pretty big shows and festivals and stuff. And this time I was just a drum tech, but I was like, I'm also making money and working with the, the crew guys that I was working with. I saw what other bands they worked for and the level that they worked at. And I could see the growth that was there. Even if I wasn't becoming a drummer, I could see the growth in the industry. And I was like, you know what? I think this is the smart move. And I said, I'm going to make this my full-time thing. And then I kind of, I didn't give up on the drumming career. I just kind of was like, I'm going to wait for something that suits my lifestyle right now and I can make it work. Yeah. And luckily I did because now I found that. (laughs) That's fantastic. So speaking of that, when you left Trivium, did you already have the gig lined up with From Ashes to New or was there anything else lined up at the time or was you just kind of a leap of faith when you left Trivium? I, um, for the record, was let go of Trivium and um, I had nothing lined up. I could tell that it was going to happen I have a good intuition, but also I'm, I pay attention. Like I'm very aware of my surroundings and things. And, and there was little subtle things that I started to be like, yeah, this isn't the same vibe. I, I, I feed off of people's energy and I could just tell there was a couple of things that came through at a, a group that shouldn't have included me and things like that. And I was being checked up on after the tour. I was staying with um, Jordan Mancino of As Lay Dying. And, and I was like, hey, are you home yet? Because they knew I was, or the tour manager knew I was with some people. I was like, not yet. And then I got an email saying, hey, let's all hop on a call. And I was like, I knew, like my heart sank. And I was like, ah. I was like, but, you know, I'm a different drummer than what they're looking for. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I owe them, you know, a lot of my career as well. They put me on the map. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm internally forever grateful. But I also came to the conclusion that I'm more of a, a beat hip-hop sort of Travis Barker-esque kind of drummer you know where they're a thrashier band they want fast double bass and things like that and I was never going to be able to provide what they needed and the guy that they have now is perfect for the job he fucking (laughs) plays it so it's like I wasn't going to be that for them so it's no hard feeling but yeah I didn't have anything lined up it was a surprise but it was also not quite a surprise because I could tell you know I wasn't going to be the forever guy as much as it would have been nice um i think that they're in a better spot and so am i musically you know so uh but yeah i i saw grant post something on facebook saying internationally touring band looking for a fill-in for a, a cd release tour and i hit him up and I, and I was like hey who's the band for and he said from ashes to new and this was a couple months i was let go in november of 2015 and i didn't fill in with from ashes to new until 2016 in march um, so I sat for a couple months trying to go, what's going to happen? Is my career over? Because four years out of my five at the time of touring or six um, were primarily with Trivium. So all I knew was to be with them as a drum tech. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really build much else out. And at the time, As Lay Dying was not a band. So I didn't have my fallback, which was them. Yeah, it was a scary time for sure. But I just kept saying, you know, I'm going to make something happen to this. And then I hit up Grant and he's like, hey, send me all this stuff. He didn't know really who I was. He's like, send me videos or anything you did. And I was like, well, I played for Trivium. And the old drummer from Ashes New was a big fan. So as soon as he said to the drummer, Matt Madero is looking to fill in, the dude was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, (laughs) where do we got to fly him from? And I was like, well, I actually live 45 minutes away. So I can just drive (laughs) myself there. And they're like, that's perfect. So it worked out. They got the the perfect resume for that gig. (laughs) And it's like, it's me, you know, it's my style. I get along great with everybody. It's like, it's where I've always been. Lincoln Park is, I don't pick favorites and Lincoln Park is by far my favorite band. And they made 
me want to become a musician. They took the world that I was in, hip hop and things like that, and brought me to rock more. I always listened to rock because my parents are cousins, brother and stuff like that, but it wasn't my thing. And they made that genre my thing. So this band is is very, you know, uh, it idolizes that genre in a, in a way. Yeah. So it's like, that's me. I was never going to be a thrashy drummer. I was so grateful for those opportunities, but I think they, they needed somebody to to realize what they needed and I needed something to realize what I needed. And from Ashes to New was definitely that. That's awesome. We've listened to a couple of, of interviews um, with the other Matt and with Danny actually this sort of in, in prepping. And, and it was interesting they talk about sort of, you know, the, that from Ashes to New sort of started as pretty much Matt and then some guys that, mm-hmm. that worked with them. And then there was sort of yep. this all, like band reboot sort of, where you and Danny showed up and, and, and everybody that we listened to went on record is pretty much saying like, this is when it became like a gelled band, like a unit of guys that actually collaborate together and feel like there's like a vibe rather than it just being like mostly Matt. And then yeah. sort of his, his supporting cast as it were. When I filled in in 2016, I could see how there was something special with this band, but it wasn't hitting its mark internally mm-hmm. and things needed to leave for it to work the right way. And when we found Danny and I came on board and then we found Danny in 2017, he was the first one to come down and work with us. Before we even put out the audition, he was already down at Matt's house working with us prior and um, we were getting a good feel for him. But it felt natural right away. It felt like that was it. And then as we started working together, it was just like, this is what the band was always meant to be and always supposed to be. But yeah, when it started out, it was Matt. and he knew of Chris because of uh, the local Lancaster scene and, and everything. And he had him singing on stuff, but it was pretty much Matt doing all of it. You know, yeah. he just had a singer with him. And then it started to take off because of Octane with my fight. And he was like, Oh, I got to put a band together with this. Like I got to find <laughs> guys that can play this stuff. Yeah. So it was all him for sure. And it's funny because he actually hit me up in 2013 uh, or 14, I think on messenger on Facebook messenger. And at this time I had, I was, I believe, making the transition from drum teching to drumming for Trivium. And I had people reaching out to me all the time, check this out or promote this thing or do all this stuff. So I saw his message. And I was like, here we go. Another guy from my local area just trying to send me his music. And I just brushed it off. I was like, whatever. <laughs> just ignored it. And Danny did the same thing pretty much when we reached out to him. He was just like, oh, some guys hit me up about music, whatever. <laughs> and like, come down the road. It's like, now we're all in this thing together. It's kind of funny. So were you a part of the process of looking for a lead singer? Yeah. So like I said, I joined at the end of 2016. And -hmm. then we didn't find Danny until about April of 2017. And Matt and I started writing The Future because Lance lives in Ohio. And um, he wasn't able to come out yet. Uh, He was writing remotely. But Matt and I were together working on The Future record in January of 2017. We got kind of to a point where it's like, okay, we're starting to make cool instrumentals. But we got to have somebody to start singing melodies and yeah. figuring out things with us and putting down scratch tracks. So we started hitting YouTube and like searching for people on YouTube, reaching out to other artists that we knew and were friends with saying, hey, do you know of anybody? So I was a part of the process as well. And um, that's when we stumbled across the Sumerian Records audition that they put out um, a while ago, where it was like a super group that made all the instrumentals and then posted it and allowed all these different vocalists to kind of write their own lyrics, write their own melodies to it and put their take online and i believe danny did one of those hmm. and that's how we found him so we kind of went through that and hit up 
any good singer that we thought was from there and we just reached out to them to see if they would be willing to send us anything extra um we found danny and then he came down and then we were like well should we put out an audition thing does that look right does it not look right and we're like well let's try it let's see what happens and we already had like i said worked with danny felt like he was a good fit but we had to see every aspect and option possible just to see what's out there you just never know so yeah seems like y'all made the right call it was a stressful time yeah i'm sure oh, for sure <laughs> for sure danny kills it yeah danny yeah. crushes it he is amazing the dude knows his shit for sure <laughs> yeah so do you think that like with your past experience with trivium it kind of sounds like you know you saw that there was you know just discrepancies i guess in the band do you think that that's kind of helped you make sure that the chemistry and from ashes new is is better or I don't know. Did you feel that there was something extra that just helped the band click or like, was it past experiences or, or what do you feel helped everybody just kind of click and, and seems like everybody gets along a lot better than maybe pre previous past experiences as well. I think that it was just the right mindset of everybody being in the same sort of path together. Like the three Trivium dudes who have been there forever, they are, they are so locked in and, and there's never been, turmoil or anything bad with them like i'm still friends with those guys you know and stuff like that so it's like but they're on their path and they understand what they want and they need and that's why they have the right guy now um it's always been people that come in and, and aren't on the same wavelength which is fine uh, but they know what they want and they're gonna find that and we are the same way where we knew what we wanted and we were on the same wavelength and when danny came in he fit in with our direction, our sound, our style, our mentality, um, all of it, our image, all these things. It, it all just felt right and it felt natural. It felt like we've known him for a long time. It felt like we all knew each other for a long time, even though it was pretty recent and fresh for all of us. Um, and we were kind of thrown into writing an album together with barely, I mean, realistically knowing each other besides Matt and Lance knowing each other for a long time. And um, it just felt normal. It felt natural for us. And it was like, well, it just makes sense. The way you talk about it reminds me a lot of like a band relationship, almost in this, almost in the sense of how you talk about like a romantic relationship. Like there are times when you might be with somebody, you kind of reach a yeah. point where like one or both of you might both sense like this isn't really working or it's it's not going to last that kind of thing. Or you might meet somebody and be like this instant chemistry kind of thing going on. And like, we got to see what we got here. Like it, it feels very similar just the way that you speak about it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, pretty much like we all look at the band as in a way you kind of treat it like a relationship. Yeah. We're with each other more than we are with our friends and family when COVID isn't happening. Right, like right, right. When we're actually able to store and do things. So it's like, that's why fans are, you know, the way that they are. That's why, I didn't work out with my last one is because you know you you want it to work you have this love for those people and and you want to be there and you want it to happen but at some point you kind of go okay this isn't the right thing and no hard feelings but i gotta focus on the next thing and that's pretty much how it is and once you find that like you're saying it it clicks it makes sense and i feel like we found that with the four of us to where it makes sense and we're all on the same wavelength we're like you know what this isn't working and we're all like i was just thinking the same thing but we didn't even <laughs> discuss with each other it's like we're all in tune with where we need to go and we all contribute in that aspect and it's nice 
you definitely can tell that there's been a nice progression as the band has gone on. So like with the album, The Future versus Panic, what do you feel other than COVID messing up the tour and the release of the album? Um, what do you feel are the biggest differences between those two albums? We really understood as a group with Panic what we needed to be doing uh, based on our fan base, but also based out on what was true to us as writers or musicians or what we wanted to feel. With the future album, we were trying to figure each other out. We were trying to figure out what everybody was going to do. It wasn't just Matt writing a record anymore. It was four of us writing a record together and all contributing. And we all wanted to be open to each other's ideas. We all wanted to be available to each other's ideas and try to put everything out there and have this piece of artwork that we can all be proud of. And we're proud of it, but we all do and open about it, feel that we took too far of a step away from the original sound of the band mm -hmm. and yeah. it hindered us. And panic, we realized we need to go back to the roots of what the band was. Even though Lance, myself and Danny weren't a part of that writing process, we all come from that background. And we started to do that with panic. Now we, we worked with different producers than we did with the day one record. We wanted to see what we could do with those people. Even with that process, we've, we've had really, really good moments of things and we've learned a lot. And then there was also realizations of, okay, we could do better over here with certain things. So with this record, we are going even further back to those roots and going a little bit heavier, even still from, I would say panic because of what we've kind of realized. We haven't got the tour all of Panic, of course, but we see what's doing well with numbers. We see what does well with our fan base. We see what does well while we play it, as well as Danny's vocals, things like that. And we're just kind of, we're more in tune. We're a more oiled machine, I, I would say, than we were with the future. And we kind of just know, I think now, what we need to be doing compared to trying things or pushing uh, an envelope of like, well, let's try this different sound or let's try this thing. Like we still want to have fun with it, but we also don't want to alienate what we are originally sounding like to go try and, and go to this world to maybe open up other doors. We feel like what we always say is, okay, as we're trying to open up other doors, we feel like we're closing five behind us and kind of standing in the hallway going, well, what now? Yeah. Like you get to the top of your world first. And then maybe you can try an experiment, <laughs> Lincoln Park. They got to the top of the world and then they said, okay, well, we've, we've written these two records that have done so well. Let's try other things. Let's, let's venture out a little bit. They have the fan base that's going to follow. You know, yeah. you can't do it every other record. You're completely different. I think <laughs> coming in as a brand new band, it was hard for us to understand the process, but we quickly got it on panic. And now we're even more in tune than before. So what was it like? creating music videos during the pandemic that was uh that was a challenge we <laughs> literally it was shutting down as we're on our way up to new york to work on them both scars that i'm hiding and panic were both done with the same uh director and they were done within the same few days it was like a weekend trip that we took mm -hmm. and it was pretty chaotic everything was like becoming a huge shutdown at the time everybody was scared uh people were backing out of getting ready to record the videos for us because they were worried about the pandemic happening and didn't want to be out. Um, afraid to get in trouble because that was the thing for a while that you were going to get basically locked into a state. We were, we were worried that we wouldn't either be able to get in or out of New York, depending on the shutdown process. It was a whole 
whole battle for sure. <laughs> it was chaotic, but we just like put our heads down. And we're like, let's just get in and get out as fast as possible. It was so interesting because I know for anybody who listens to this, we'll, we'll put a link probably to the panic video in there somewhere because there's a disclaimer at the beginning, basically kind of saying, hey, the pandemic screwed this whole process up. And this song wasn't really even about anything relating to what's going on right now. And yet now it takes on a whole new meaning and fits like kind of the environment of what 2020 was that much more perfectly. Yeah. It was tracks about anxiety and whatnot. Yeah, that was, that was, that was a wild video to see. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy that it all matched up and had been able to be related so well. Um, with the masks as well, we did that in the, the video because it correlates with the pandemic, but we had actually had that idea for quite a while. Lance mm. is really, really big in the K-pop. He's really big in that culture, the music and everything. So we had the idea. We always see bands kind of wear like the crew shirts and stuff like that. Well, we mm. had the idea because some of our crew guys were always wearing masks um, just because it was they had like the little faces and stuff on them so they were just wearing them for fun um lance's girlfriend who was running merch for us for a while would go out to the stores we'd always go to like a mall or something on a day off and she grabbed a whole bunch for everybody for all the crew guys it sparked an idea with lance and everybody else like oh we should do those with our emoji logos on them and then we could also make something with like glasses and the face mask so you become like the, the image of our character for the show and then the pandemic happens the music video just correlates so well with it as well as the meaning of the song and then we were like well we already have this mask idea we might as well embrace the pandemic and everything else that's happening so it just all like yeah. kind of fell into place it was that's weird awesome. how it all worked out and then you have the bulletproof video which is completely different with none of the band is even in the video you have all kids and <laughs> bloody aftermath <laughs> yeah, that was recorded actually right here where I am at the uh, rehearsal spot. We just did that same or same uh, director, not producer, that did the other two, Josiah. Um, he came down and did that. And that's Danny and Matt's family members that are in that video as well. And we just recorded it here in a, a big oh, okay. room in our rehearsal space. Yeah, that one was cool. <laughs> that one was really cool. So it's been over a year since you guys were actually able to play live music. What kind of preparation are you guys going to do or are you even going to feel comfortable uh, playing the new album when the time comes? Um, I, it depends on what, you know, statements are made about how you got to be when we're going out there. But I think for us, like, I mean, we'll be obviously as, as safe as possible and take the precautions that we have to, but we'll just treat it as any other tour and just prepare for it you know like any other tour i think that maybe with a little bit more excitement to get back out there because <laughs> yeah. this has been a little chaotic and a little depressing to be home this long i i haven't been home this long in over nine years we're, we're for sure ready i mean we're working on the, the next record ideas and stuff right now but if we had you know our management tell us in two months from now we're gonna go out on tour i think that we'll start practicing for the next month and start right you know, production and everything else um I think the most chaotic part is just trying to figure out what's going to happen with all that, you know, between gas prices and, and all the logistics and, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. Cost, you know, our guarantee is going to go down because venues are a little worried about turnouts and things like that is how is merch price going to be? We're probably going to have to scale back a tiny bit to see what it's like first. We don't want to just go out there and, and blow all the money and just not have anything. Um, Cause we got to eat and live too. But <laughs> I think those those precautions will be put into place 
Um, Matt's good with a lot of that stuff. He does a lot of the business and stuff like that. We're all in tune with that stuff and we'll be cautious, but we're excited. I'm so ready to get back out on tour. I mean, I want <laughs> all this to calm down and everybody yeah. to be safe, right. but we are so eager to get back out there and do what we love to do, see everybody. It's insane how much of like a fix it is for us, or at least for myself, whatever. It's just like, I haven't felt normal since not being on tour. <laughs> right. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. We haven't been to a concert almost in a year and a half. It's it's just, it, like you said, it's, it's weird. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. It's And you don't realize what it does positively for you until yeah. you don't get to do it anymore. And you're just like, why do I feel like this? Like, what is happening? How do I get out of this funk? And it's just like, all it can take is just going with your friends to go see a concert or, or tailgating at the concert. You don't even have to go in. You just go tailgate or something. Yeah. Like, it's just that environment. It's crazy. Yeah, so you're missing out on performing shows. You're feeling that urge. You said three out of four of you guys live in the same, within what, an hour of each other, more or less? Uh, two of us, Matt and I two. do. Okay. He's an hour from me. Danny's five and a half, I think. He's oh, Rochester. Okay. And then Lance is about five and a half as well from us. Uh, he lives Cleveland, Ohio area. Yeah, yeah. And my line of questioning was well, that kind of throws a wrench into it, but was that at least it sounded like maybe since most of you are close enough that you could, you know, you're writing, planning, rehearsing, you might at least be able to be in the same vicinity doing some of that stuff together rather than, you know, being completely dispersed throughout the country or something like that. Maybe not quite as much, but. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of dispersed, but when it's time to do anything like we were just doing like writing or getting ready for rehearsals, we pretty much just drop everything else that's happening and we get together. Like for the last month, the other guys have been staying at Matt's house and because I live close enough, I just go back and forth between being home. We're all, we get together and then we just stay there. We just kind of like isolate ourselves as this big group. Cause I mean, there's a lot of other bands that might get together here and there occasionally and things like that. But yeah, we just kind of make it like a big chunk of time and do it that way. Has that helped to restore at least some feeling of normalcy or progress with even though you still can't do your live shows and whatnot? It's definitely helped a lot. Just having that mindset of getting together, having the band together, working on music. It's definitely been a little bit of an adjustment as well because we haven't been in the sort of mindset of writing or recording or performing and things like that. I guess your typical creative mindset. Um, it's been a slower startup than I would yeah. like, at least for myself. You know, it took me a minute to kind of be like, oh yeah that's what we're doing yeah i get it now okay i'm in tune with this again um but it's been nice it's been nice to see everybody and like kind of have that atmosphere and and be in that sort of mode again refreshing okay that's good that's good to hear i know you guys had a had a question about the who that you yeah, were pretty excited actually, about i don't we'll see if this is actually relevant or not i was really curious so the who and i'm i'm not sure but the who's the let's album feature has a version of the song uve uve featuring mm -hmm. from ashes to new was the entire band actually featured on that song or was it just danny it was danny's voice but we all actually helped pitch in and okay like okay. figure that out um matt and danny took primary like sort of writing abilities and things like that and, and lyrical content melodies and stuff but we had all pitched in on the idea of it um placement of where it should be things like that i remember we were at a show in indianapolis and we got done and immediately went to the dressing room and started working on it again mm. and just trying to like map it out and figure it out and see should we try to see if we can do like a full band sort of performance in this section or should it be this and then it came down to the point where it was like let's just have danny's vocals 
because we're like it's going to be weird matt was like i can't rap in this he's like it's going <laughs> right. to sound way too odd their fans aren't going to like it so it's like it's best if we just put danny in it <laughs> and we all just kind of contribute so did you guys get to work with the who directly on uh, coming up with that part uh just remotely so we we did it and then sent the idea over they would approve of it or make changes necessary and then we would send a revised version of it and then that's kind of how it went i feel like that's where a lot of like features and things like that go anymore is you kind of have your own little setup or studio and and say if okay you want to feature i'll just do it right here real quick and i'm like does this sound cool and they're like yeah it sounds clear enough it sounds good and then they send it off to be mixed in with the song things like that a lot of guys unless if you're based in like the same area like if you're in la or something like that i don't feel like a lot of people are really getting together anymore to mm. do a lot of features especially with covid yeah Right. But, right. but that one was done remotely uh, in dressing rooms on the bandwagon, wherever we could find the time to kind of come up with it. And then I think once we got done with that tour, Danny went home and he used his home setup to have a more proper recording for it. And then actually, when we were in L.A., he split from the studio, um, the writing process of Panic for like six hours and went to a studio to finalize the actual vocal track and then they sent those over okay and how did that guest spot come to be and was it just like did they reach out to you or did you guys reach out to to the who or how, how did that come to be that was from the label actually 11 okay. 7 which is now just known as better noise uh, mm -hmm. we're all on the same label so okay. um, that's also how jacoby i would imagine got yes. a part with them as well yeah so makes sense We've been paying a lot of attention to Better Noise lately because, first of all, they just have a lot of good bands. And then it seems like they do a lot of things to um, promote not just the collaboration of the bands on their label, but other ways of the bands being involved in, I guess, arts and entertainment kind of stuff. Yeah, like the Retaliators movie. That's yes. exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, this, this is a <laughs> yeah. record label that started a film division. This I just discovered this a few weeks ago. I was like, what in the world is going on here? So yeah, The yeah. Retaliators, it has a, this like who's who of, of rock names in it. You've got Tommy Lee, you've got Ice Nine Kills, uh, Five Finger Death Punch is in there. You guys are listed, yep. as far as we could tell, as not just being on the soundtrack. I know you released that, the version of Scars That I'm Hiding that had uh, Anders from In Flames. Yeah. But also, as do you guys make an actual appearance somewhere in that film? Yeah, we actually perform <laughs> in that film. Okay, all right. Awesome. And I believe the way that it worked out is that we are performing. It is an unreleased song. Hmm. Um, it's a B-side song, but it's from Panic. And it's funny because when we filmed it, we recorded it before we even recorded the full song. So yeah before we actually fully tracked the song it was still in a it was a solid demo phase but it was like <laughs> we know what we're gonna do but drums weren't mapped out fully yet like i didn't record drums like we didn't finalize all of it we just had the vocals pretty much laid out and, and most of the guitar stuff so when we did it i had to play drum parts that i was like i i think that i'm going to do all of this here and That's wild. uh so we we recorded the video because we recorded the scene in the video November 21st of 2019. Oh, wow. And then okay. we didn't finish the record until about mid-December of that year. So that was one of the later ones that we did because we did it with Eric Ron. And Eric Ron was the later portion of us doing the record. He was the 
sort of the end process of us working on the record because we work with Colin Britton and Eric Ron. So Eric kind of had the later parts of November to basically mid-December. Okay, that's wild. Yeah, so it was a weird, it was cool. We're in a performance scene. Yeah, are, are you playing yourselves? Or like, is there a banner that says from Ashes to New in the background? Or, or are you? There wasn't any extra banners or anything. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know how exactly it worked out, but they were just like, you're going to come in, you're going to perform. Um, it's a scene in this movie. You're performing in, I believe, a church and okay. uh, you're just going to perform and and that's it. Like, that's the part. <laughs> Have you guys got to see uh, a cut of your debut quote act or acting performance, <laughs> as it were, acting credit? I think maybe something sort of got sent over, but I think um, it was for scars and i'm hiding because they yeah. used scenes of that yeah the original scars and i'm hiding actually had a bunch of scenes and everything from so many different things that video changed a bunch but uh, yeah. i believe i saw a bunch of scenes from the movie because of that but not our actual performance part ah okay. that's so I guess I'll just have to watch the movie like everybody else. That's right. That's right. I, I wish I could remember exactly when the release date for that is, but I don't have it on top of my head. I think it's June 20 of this year, I believe. It's coming out in June. Okay. You guys know more than I do on that one. I don't know. <laughs> well, it might get pushed back again. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? Things, yeah. things are obviously happening. So <laughs> yeah, there's the uh, better noise is definitely, um, putting a footprint in that world for sure as well. I mean, yeah. I believe Alan, um, the label owner, was a part of uh, the dirt as well because of 10th Street. So they were a part of that process as well. So they had their, their hands in that one. He seems like an ambitious guy and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming up with new ideas for to take care of his, of his artists. So. And it's cool because it's like, you know, we're not just musicians. We get to go and, and perform in videos and, and, just do different things it's cool and yeah. make them more fun and interesting absolutely yeah especially tying in multiple bands within the same label i'm sure that's a really cool experience yeah. for everybody cross promotion and everything like that and then it helps everybody out yeah it's a full uh rising tide going on right there much yeah. less the entire soundtrack you know <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> so we did notice that from Ashes News is very active on social media and you guys are very accessible to your fans. You, you respond to a lot of posts. Is there one band member that's responsible for all the majority of the responses or interactions or, or does several members that handle that? We all do it. As of lately, I know Matt has been more in tune with the Facebook posts and things like that and, and responding, but we all get on and we'll respond. For a while, I was running the Instagram primarily. Um, hmm. Anybody could get on and answer DMs and things like that. But I was doing a lot of the story posts um, back when we were on tour. I kind of work with the photographers that we have out on tour, the, the content people that we have. And I try to like come up with daily posts or story things and just weekly videos, whatever it may be. But then once we've had all this downtime, Matt's been at his sort of studio office setup and has been bouncing back between coming up with ideas and, and being pretty active on socials. As of lately, he's been doing a lot of postings on stuff like that, but we're all really active on it. I mean, we all have iPhones. We're just constantly either scrolling between <laughs> Facebook or Instagram. So we try to respond to as much as we can when we have the time to, is, you know, make it fun for everybody. <laughs> Why do you feel it's so important to communicate and respond and be accessible to fans? I think that it just helps like them understand us and us understand them more. Uh, we can really understand and relate to them. And they can also do the same 
with us, you know, might help them to relate more to the music or us as individuals and, and understand where we come from and then feel that sort of sense of passion that we have either with our music or our art. Um, also, I think that it's just really fucking cool to be able to talk to somebody that maybe you look up to, like not saying that anybody necessarily looks up to me or my, you know, any other band members, but like, if I was a kid, it would have go talk to Travis Barker when I was growing up and, yeah. and I wanted to aspire to be the drummer that I still aspire to be. And I was able to communicate with that person and have that advice or just, uh, Hey, what's up? You know, it would be like, Oh my God, I was recognized. And it just like put <laughs> me in that sort of like, I got to keep doing this sort of mindset. So I think sometimes just reaching out and just taking time out of your busy day to just be like, Hey, you got this. When you see that post, it's like, Hey, you guys really helped me out through this and you've helped me overcome all these obstacles rather than just being like, yeah, I'm a rock star. <laughs> and that those those type of comments are supposed to be on my page and look at me doing all this work it's like take the time out and like actually connect and thank those people that you know that they're still here or that they listen to the music because without the fans we wouldn't have these opportunities we wouldn't be able to tour without them so it's the little things for us that show gratitude for our fans as well because at the end of the day if somebody could call me a rock star but i can't be a rock star without those people right. allowing me to be so if yeah. i snub all the people that are helping me to, to succeed in the world that i want to i'm an asshole so <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate it that's for sure and yeah i definitely agree with you that the little things can go a, a long way and um sometimes like like you said you just never know what people are going through and it, it can mean a lot to somebody just to even just respond uh, I've been in that kind of situation. So I, I appreciate that you guys do that and that you guys are accessible and you do respond to almost every single one of the posts that you're, uh, that's posted to you guys. It, it does mean a lot to us fans. So appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of social media though, one thing I wanted to kind of touch upon real quick is during the onset of the pandemic from Ashes New seemed to be like one of the most active bands in terms of releasing music. You guys are releasing almost a different cover song every week. Was there a purpose behind the release of the cover songs or was that just kind of a way that you guys were making it through the quarantine? Just making something fun, keeping our minds in that sort of headspace and, and being creative and trying to really just pass some time and stay active. Cause it's like without tours, without shows or anything, we didn't really have much to post on socials. And that's a big mm -hmm. concern for us is to be able to stay relevant and active and things like that. Um, and we thought it'd be cool. I mean, there was a, a lot of artists kind of doing similar things and, and we're all kind of doing it around the same time. And it seemed like, you know, the best sort of means of keeping content out there and, and having fans look forward to something and also having something to look forward to as individuals as well. Like, oh, I'm going to push the limits and learn this song and, and get to record it and kind of be pushing that headspace a little bit. It was fun. Yeah. And we appreciate it because during that time, there was like no new music being released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does the band plan on releasing those songs collectively on like an EP or an album eventually by chance? We are actually getting uh, ready to put them up on streaming services. We're working on oh, that cool. right now as well. Awesome. So we, um, we're kind of like unsure if we could talk about it at first. And then lately we've kind of just been like, yeah, we are getting ready to, to finalize <laughs> them for streaming stuff. <laughs> awesome. It's good to know. We also have gotten together as a band to record something else as well. Yeah. So there will be something else coming out eventually as well. You heard it right here on the itch. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd be all for, you know, new music and, and not, not so much that, you know, this whole quarantine situation lasts so long that you have to put out two albums before you can tour. 
that right. would be that would be disastrous. But we're all for and excited to hear new music whenever you know yeah. making the most of that time is wonderful. And I'm glad that so many bands are doing that. It I mean, remote though it may be for a lot of bands, it's still yeah, it's exciting to see that there's still creativity coming out despite people being separated. And I mean look at bring me at the start of the quarantine they were writing most of the the recent record that they just put out remotely until yeah. they could find the ways to get together a little bit more and i mean that thing's a fucking masterpiece that's a great <laughs> record yeah it's really cool to see that creativity still will thrive in that environment like people still are coming up with cool things to do even like you're doing the, the covers people doing live streams and stuff people finding ways to get things out there yeah and to and to satisfy their own urges so you're not just completely going crazy and at home while you yeah. wait for the world to to let you back out it, <laughs> it is weird to be in the headspace of well we have to write the next record and so we're starting it because well we have the downtime and we right. have the free time yeah um so we might as well start but we haven't got to sort of see the outcome of the last release we didn't yeah. get to be yeah. like what worked what doesn't work like i was kind of talking about earlier I mean, we have a good understanding, but it's weird to just put something out there and be like, well, all right, I guess we'll start the next one now. <laughs> like we're, we're working on getting ready to start the writing trip soon and, and go out to whether it be Vegas, LA, wherever the producers are that we're going to go kind of test the waters with, but like already being in that headspace and being like, wait, we're missing a step here. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Well, I think you guys have it laid out pretty well though you, you release another album you release a cover album and then you go on tour for a couple of years then you take a break and then you have fans clamoring for that next album <laughs> right. we want to stay eager and stay on top of it and uh, we want to find a way that we can put out a record every year uh, oh, because really? the process takes so long that it's like a lot of bands what they'll do is they'll they'll tour for the year and a half and you'll start writing it at that half point the year and a half area yeah. and you'll start working on it but then by the time it comes out, it's pushing past two years since the mm -hmm. other one had come out. Right. But if we can tour, have a little bit of time in between, write, go back on tour, write, or write while on tour, which is stressful. It's a lot, lot, you know, between the VIP stuff, interviews, different things, trying to find that headspace to get into. It's just kind of like whenever you find inspiration, just jot it down really quick and just go off of that. But if we can find ways to work in studio time in between touring, and then have out by the end of the album cycle start promoting the next one so we can take a break while we're already promoting the next singles and set it up a lot better stays you know really relevant and keeps yeah. the fans interactive as well and and we don't have that downtime like it's nice to take the time off sometimes and build up the hype but i also see with this day and age with how everything is so like i need it instantaneous and our attention span is six seconds. Yeah. Uh, you lose track of things anymore. So if we're not constantly doing something and we take a year off without anything, I feel like your numbers just start to drop. Like we're not that big of a band yet yeah. to be able to kind of do something like that. My Chemical Romance can kind of take a hiatus and be like, "Yeah, surprise, we're back," and people are like, "Oh fuck," because of nostalgia. Right. But today, <laughs> day and age. You know what I mean? If a band were to do that, that just came out five years ago and didn't build us this like nostalgic sort of mindset with these fans, you can't really do that anymore. You have to just be hustling the whole time. 
Right. As long as you don't end up being like a tool or a Deftones where you write an album and scrap it and then write a whole nother album later. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> right. If you guys were able to pull that off, it sounds like a pretty grueling adventure. But if you were able to become the kind of guys that could do an album a year, like that used to be really common in the music industry. And, yeah, you know, folk musicians and even like classic rock artists would do an album, sometimes even more than one. You catch it now and then in modern rock, but it's real rare. Usually it's at least that two year cycle. I know we've talked about a few bands that we're fans of that they're like clockwork with their releases. But um, yeah, so I mean, if, if you were able to do that, that's interesting. It's something that would even further set you apart from most of your peers, if that makes sense, because just so few people are actually doing that. One of the things that we've also talked about that I think that the rock industry really needs to get more in tune with is how pop really releases a lot of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't just go, OK, here's one week, here's a single and then the next one and then the next one and then here's a whole album. Uh, people like in the pop world, you'll release a single and hype that thing up as big as it is just an album, you know, but it's just one song. You could tour off that. You could tour off that one single and then you can put out the next one. And it allows people to kind of find that song more without switching to the next one and kind of just like, all right, it did something next thing. All right, did something next thing. It's like, let's, let's put the thought process behind this and let's promote this and let's, let's tour this song. Let's, let's set this up so when the album does finally release it's a bigger deal than it needs to be like i look at the pop world and i see singles come out and it feels like it's treated like an album it's like a huge deal yeah you know and i think the rock world should get a little bit out of that stone age sort of mentality and hop into what's happening in that aspect for sure it's funny you mentioned that because we've talked to a couple of artists that have said the exact same thing so it's it's good to know that that the band's kind of collectively see that as a necessity. That is one thing I will say that it is up to the people in charge above us yeah. to allow <laughs> us to be able to do that. And that's one thing that I think a lot of bands will preach to all of our labels that you guys, if you aren't in tune with what's happening in pop culture, you should probably take a page out of that book because there's a reason why it's so massive and the reason why it does so well. And the promotional side of it is so elite that it is, you know, and we would love to be able to do things like that. We just have to be able to work with our peers to be able to do that. I, th- I think that's a cool thing. You're, you're talking earlier about how you are a big hip hop fan. That's what you mostly grew like came from, grew up on. And so first I was thinking of that in terms of like the style of drumming that you that you might bring. And you mentioned one of the other guys is big into K-pop. And now I'm looking at him like it's kind of cool because you guys also you, you have a little understanding of how those industries and how the, those markets work as well. Yeah. Because it is a, in hip hop as well. It is a little bit different than, than how rock operates with that. And so you guys can kind of not only musically collaborate from various genres, but you can bring those mm-hmm. elements of here's how these guys that I pay attention to do it. Is there something here yeah. we could borrow from that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just trying to, to stay in tune with everything that's happening around us you know yeah. we're, we're trying to stay in tune with whether it be technology or whatever you know we're trying to to be aware of our surroundings and, and stay relevant i guess and not try to be the old men being like how do you work this what does this thing do <laughs> like you know we don't want to ever get to that point you know just and, and pop culture is has its ups and downs but they're doing something right in the music industry yeah and it moves fast it is hard to keep up with it is I always preach that Vine had a really good impact on everybody in a negative way where it's like, <laughs> you know, 
it literally made people want to have instant gratification within six seconds and then you're on to the next thing you know so now nobody has the patience to sit there and and wait for things you just want it and if you don't get it you you're upset and then you're on to the next thing because you didn't get your way and then yeah off to the next thing it's like (laughs) so that's why we would like to get out you know every year and a half or whatever um, a new record And, and bad wolves was one of the bands that also was able to do that recently okay, where yeah. they put out the one and then they were working on it in between the tour cycle that they were doing and they were able to release the next one unfortunately then covid kind of happened and it screwed up the yeah. whole process but i was like damn like those dudes were killing it as well they were just getting after it it's just so much work to that grind i'm now i'm also thinking about how you know you're talking about the social media and you guys kind of mixing and matching people doing different things keeping track of stuff and that wasn't always the way of the the rock band life where, you know, it used to be a thing where you go on tour, you, you do things, you do press, do some interviews and stuff. But now you have all these other elements to keep tabs on as well. And, you know, some artists probably have somebody doing some of that for them, some do it themselves. But there's just this whole big picture when it comes to like artist interaction with people and building a fan base. It doesn't seem easy. <laughs> That's kind of what yeah. I'm thinking. It, it is hard. It's a lot. It's a lot to juggle. And the biggest thing is like, you want to be accessible like we Mm -hmm. talked about earlier you want to talk to people but at the same time i can't be accessible 24 7 exactly like i am with my best friend you know there has to be some sort of separation so there has to be a respect on both sides as well and that sometimes gets really hard as well is that i want to communicate and i want to be there but i don't also want to just give everything out there because at the same time i have a life i can't be expected to always do those things as well and i can't expect that from anybody else but it's like it plays another part social media is a huge thing you have to be on it you have to be using it you have to communicate with your fans you have to do all those things as well as be writing and working and recording and coming up with another thing come up with your artwork come up with the visuals it's just like there's so many moving parts and it's so much and that's where it's like there's a (laughs) lot of factors now there's a lot of different things that happen with that in mind we can so we got a few that we like to do at the end where it's just kind of a fun series of little questions. We call them rapid fire. So the first one is, what's a song or an album that changed your life? Um, Hybrid Theory and then mm. Meteora, for sure. Both of those. Meteora is my favorite compared to the two because of the production value. But Hybrid mm-hmm. Theory was the one that sold me. You know, That was the one I listened to daily. Oh yeah. I, my, my entire high school class did the exact same thing. <laughs> that was literally like the album of our year of the year. Also the mashup with Jay-Z. I would listen to that all the time as well. <laughs> What's a song that you wish you had written that you would love to have under your, under your belt, under your name? Hmm. I'm going to say outside of our genre a little bit, forget me too by Machine Gun Kelly and Halsey. Okay. I like that song a lot. I love the vibe of it. I love the energy of it, sort of the mentality and everything. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Machine Gun Kelly's work. Um, I'm cool with Rook. That's my boy. Um, the, <laughs> all the dudes over there have always welcomed me and treated me well. Uh, so I'm biased for sure. But at the same time, I'm, I, uh, I love the work. I love what he's done and things like that. So I'm a big fan. Maybe it didn't surprise you, but the quality of that album he released last year surprised me. I was like, this is, and, and I think that um, that song that you just mentioned was the best one on that album. It's really good. Got a fun video. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Barker being a part of it, producing it, being on the drums with it as well. Yeah. You know, you got everything that you're asking for all in one. 
at yeah. least my taste of <laughs> what I want to hear out of that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So a song that, how about a song that you are proud to have written or played a part in writing? Um, Panic. Definitely. Okay. Um, even though Danny had a lot of the idea for that one, just to see its natural growth and then forgotten off of the future. That one relates really, really well. I had a good bit of like sort of the mentality of the lyrical writing as well as, I mean, we all do, but um, that one kind of hits home a lot for me in, in sort of a, a more emotional way. So I just, I'm, I'm proud of that one as well. Awesome. What's a song you're most looking forward to playing live? As we mentioned, you obviously haven't got to tour behind Panic yet. So I'm sure there's a few that stand out. Uh, we are actually going to play one of the unreleased ones when we probably go back out i would imagine when, when we can but it'll be on our set list for sure it's a song called enough uh it definitely should have made the record it's probably one of my top three favorite songs on the record if not one of my top ones like the top song oh wow um, but panic and panic and enough and that and you, know, you said it's unreleased so it's not that song you mentioned from the retaliators okay. different not yeah okay. that's a, that's a different one, yeah. Just just being sure, because yeah. now we I'm actually, on the lookout for uh, both of these tracks. <laughs> we gave a sneak peek, Matt and I did. We were on Instagram Live and Facebook Live two or three days ago, and uh, we let them hear a little snippet of it Oh, cool! as well. And everybody was like, yeah, this, this is the shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's stick, let's stick with the live theme. Uh, what's the best live band you've ever seen? Oh, damn. I've seen a lot of bands and now I'm just drawing a blank. I'm like, what bands have I seen? I was going to say, what's this is the first thing that comes to mind. It can be stream of conscious kind of thing, but sometimes it's overload when you've seen that many good shows. It is. Cause I've done so many festivals. I, I've, I mean, I've seen, it depends on the experience. I think I've ah. seen Slipknot at front of house at download. I've seen Metallica rock and ring in their snake pit. I've seen <laughs> iron maiden from front of house. Uh, I've toured with Five Figure Death Punch, who put on a hell of a show. I've seen <laughs> Lincoln Park at 2012, three months after I started touring professionally. So it's like all those experiences <laughs> are insane to me. They're yeah. like moments in time kind of thing that I'll just never forget. So it kind of all relates to the top. And then even just as casual as like going to see Machine Gun Kelly, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, that dude puts on a hell of a show too, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Like, so I can't really say that there's one. Uh, I think that there's one for every festival. There's one for every yeah. tour. There's, it depends on the moment. Um, yeah. It's kind of that all factor that you get when you just are standing there in the crowd and you're just like, damn, like er- nothing else matters. <laughs> you hear the music, you see the visuals and you're just like, I love this. Like, this is an- amazing. Like, this is insane. I've had so many of those that I just like, awesome. I can't pick one. Yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. That makes sense. That's even better, actually. Like, <laughs> all right, I'll do one more for live. Uh, dream tour for you. Who would you most love to tour with? Um, if we could have, obviously, Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been amazing with the full lineup. Have to throw Machine Kelly in there. I think that would be dope, just because puts on a hell of a show. Know the guys. Um, the lifestyle of the tour would just be. <laughs> fucking wild the whole time <laughs> be so much fun um that would be dangerous but um <laughs> it would be really cool to do a tour with bring me the horizon as well whether okay. it be in the states whether it be overseas i would love that 
I feel like you put the four that you just mentioned, you guys and, and those and Lincoln Park, Machine Gun, and Bring the Horizon. You've you've got a, a show that would that would be pretty yeah. killer. That'd be <laughs> that. Yeah, that yeah. that would be a fucking hell of a show. <laughs> that would be yeah. That that would work. We we would most definitely go to that one. <laughs> All right. Um, and one more on this series. What's an artist you would love for more people to know about? Us. <laughs> We're trying to do our part to help yeah. with that as best we can, but <laughs> that works. Nah, it's new. Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, I got one one more question for you, and um, then we can get you get you on out of here. So for us, we we talked about you know the show being called the itch. Our our big like motivating goal as far as this endeavor goes is to to discover and share good music with people. Um, mm. And so this question doesn't even have to be music related per se, but what would you say right now is your big motivating goal, your itch? Um, as of lately, it's obviously been working on this next record and trying to make it twice as good as the last one, but also just to uh, aspire to do better with really anything I'm doing, whether it be drums, um, just my mentality, I would say, you know, and try to put forth an effort of, just always bettering myself every single day in some sort of aspect, whether it's go to the gym and hit a new max of something or another weight up or do that fill on the drums that, you know, I've been struggling with or something or surprise myself. It's the itch to show growth to myself that I'm pushing through the, one of the hardest times of our lives and my life mm. and to show myself that even through adversity, I can overcome this. Like I can always overcome all of that so that's my itch is to kind of prove to myself that even when i'm down and and i'm struggling with something that if i put my mind to it then i'll i'll make it happen i believe it yeah and i think that's that's been the case that the itch has been enjoyed watching you and from ashes to new grow as a band since uh, day one but uh so, you know, we really appreciate your time today. We really appreciate this opportunity to to speak with you. And I, I look forward, you, you've really got me excited for all the new music that you're working on. I look forward to hearing it. And, and I can't wait till you guys are able to put that out. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maddie. Yep, absolutely. Sorry, we took a little bit more than originally intended there. Appreciate you guys taking the time and talking to me. <laughs> it's all good. No, I, I like to, when I get into stuff that I really like to talk about, as you can tell, I like to talk about it. So it's cool. This is nice. This is refreshing. It puts a smile on my face. And I was like, damn, I got to do something cool today. So thank you guys as well. <laughs> That's how we feel too. So we really appreciate it. <laughs> we, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Skin Dread, but um, we, we had a conversation with um, Aria, who's the, the drummer in that band last year. And he basically said the exact same thing. We were like, how much time do you have to talk today? He was like, how much do you need? <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, I'm basically what you just said. He's like, I'm just dying to talk about music with people. So let's do this. Yeah, it's like, there's, of course, there's things I want, I want to try to get done and stuff. But like, we live this weird lifestyle where it's like, we don't really have a schedule. And more than likely, I'm going to be up until like four in the morning playing Warzone. So like, I have plenty <laughs> of time, you know what I mean? To like, yeah. talk music and like, shoot the shit. Like, let's, you know, let's get it. I'm about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Give us a little bit of time. We'll come up with some more questions and, and, and call you back for more if you want. We're, we're yeah. totally happy to do that. So. <laughs> hey, you know who to reach out to. If you need to do another one, let us know. Sounds good. We, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. See you guys. Well, there you have it. There's our interview with Maddie Madero. 
Yeah, just a, a great, great interview, uh, and we really appreciate his time. One of the things that we absolutely loved and was so humbling to me was that he, he literally was in his car for the entire time, like not driving. He was not driving. I don't want to give everybody that impression. He was <laughs> sitting in a parking lot in his car talking to us for that entire interview. Um, and it just, it was just awesome because we were, you know, we even had to like go back into the zoom and he still was willing to go back in. Cause you know, we're not paying for that expensive shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> way to make so, us way to make us look top notch <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm going for professionalism here yeah um so <laughs> yeah I, I just thought that was really incredible it was really humbling um and one of the reasons why he said it and i think he might have mentioned this throughout the interview is it was just really awesome to he he was so excited to be able to talk music again because you know during this pandemic we, we've just been all kind of isolated and, and just trying to stay safe and so that, that was really cool. It was so humbling to me just to, to get somebody of that stature so excited and just to, to be like so involved in the interview. It was just, it, it meant a lot. And I really, really appreciate that. It was an awesome interview. He, he gave us an hour plus of his time in his car on his phone. And on top of that, kind of like slightly postponed, he was on his way to rehearsal to practice. Yeah. Yeah. slightly delayed his rehearsal in order to speak with us a little bit longer. And so that's a, that's a quality guy right there just to talk music with other people who love music all within a week's notice, because uh, like we said earlier, we were supposed to interview Danny. It didn't work out. And, and Maddie made himself available and, and was such, such an awesome person to talk with that he was. We'd be more than happy to talk with him again anytime. So exactly. we, let, we let him know that. <laughs> and you know what? So Matt, Maddie, at the end of that conversation, he said, you know, is like, I got to do a cool thing today. Yes. And that's exactly how we felt. So thank uh -huh. you very much for talking with us. And uh, we're excited about what's coming with From Ashes to New. Some of those covers that they recorded sounds like they'll be up on streaming services pretty shortly. So keep your ears open. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely are a hardworking band. They got a lot on the line uh, coming out for us. And, and, and we're looking forward to it. There's no doubt about it. So that was our interview with Maddie. Hope you liked it. If you had any comments, please let us know any feedback. We are definitely open to any comments, feedback that you might have constructive, obviously, please. <laughs> I mean, you can tell us we suck. That's fine. But, uh, you know, it, at least be like you suck because there you oh, go. Yeah. Right. If you suck because then we can we can work with that. That's that's yes. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> or we can ignore that. Can be like, hey, that's something we're proud of. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like, you're right. I do suck because of that. That's right. Where does a bad? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, <laughs> please let us know on all the social media outlets. Uh, we are itch rocks, I T C H R O C K S. And you can also go online. I T C H R O C K S.com. So thank you very much for listening. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. You've been listening to the Itch Podcast, and until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S.